0: Good morning, friends. How the heck are you guys? This is Ashley with Daily Encouragement. I'm recording on my phone again today. I realized there is a massive difference when I record on my phone versus when I record on my computer. My computer has a microphone. It's like a $10 mic from Walmart. And I've been using that on my YouTube videos, which greatly improved it. But I'm realizing with this podcasting thing that it really does sound better on the phone. So um, I hope you guys notice the difference. I definitely did Um, the other day when I was listening to... um, listening to my podcast on the computer. I was like, wow, holy moly day and night. So you guys, I want to record it on here and just start giving it better quality, uh, sound quality for you guys. And, um, yeah. So anyway, (laughs) what are we talking about today? You guys, we're going to be talking about the empowerment dynamic. This is something that I just learned probably maybe six months ago, nine months ago. I haven't put, I haven't studied it too much, but, uh, you know, um, I know enough to feel like I can share it with you guys, just at least give you some information about it. And then, you know, I got, I got a resource here that you guys can, you know, if you guys wanted to read about it, I have not read the book that this stems from, I guess it's like a 156 page book. So it really wouldn't take that long to get through. It's called the power of Ted. So the, the Ted stands for the empowerment dynamic written by a guy named David Emerald. I guess he had gone through a therapy session, you know, older guy. And, uh, you know, he had come to some things in his life that he had to come to terms with. And, um, somebody told him to go home and study the drama triangle from, what is his name? Stephen Cartman, I think his name is. I shared it with you guys yesterday in the podcast. I don't remember the guy's name who had come up with the victim drama triangle. But anyway, um, as he was studying this triangle, he kind of had an epiphany, you know, about this empowerment dynamic. And that's the guy that the guy who came up with that. That's, you know, David Emerald. And it was amazing because it it made me realize, you guys, how many of you out there have had an aha moment or, you know, just like a, a transformational truth, a transition that you went through that completely changed your life and, but you just kept it to yourself, you know what I mean? And this guy who, you know, this 156 page book, just, you know, going through his own thing, dealing with his own life. You guys, as I share with you all the time, revelation and your treasures hidden in the soil of your own life. And so he's sitting there and he's thinking about his life and he's contemplating and he's studying and boom, and this book has changed so many lives, it's had a massive impact and, you know, I'm going to say millions of people's lives, you guys. So, you know, um, I, I highly encourage you to check it out. I myself, am going to get the book and read it. I have not read the book, but like I said, I, he, there's tons of YouTube videos out there that study this dynamic. So you guys can look it up, the empowerment dynamic. And, you know, there's five minute videos, 12 minute videos, you know, different interviews. So there's information out there. And so I want to share it with you guys today um, in hopes of, you know, giving you guys some reference points you can put in, on inside your mind, because really the power of change is the power of a perspective. So if you can change the way you see a situation, if you can change the lens that you're looking at life through, you're going to change your life. You guys, it's amazing. So let's go ahead and pray before we get into this episode, you guys, and then we will talk about the empowerment dynamic. So Lord. Thank you for this day, God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that really you're about the empowerment dynamic, Lord. You take us victims, God, the ones who, you know, have grown up and developed all these beliefs about ourselves and about you and about other people and these beliefs that suffocated us and strangled us, God, and, you know, stolen, killed, destroyed us, Lord. And you give us grace, God, and you, uh, you enable us, Lord, to become new creation, to become creators like you. And to think differently and to solve problems and to be empowered, God, to take full responsibility for our lives, to utilize the grace you've put in us, God, to share our story and influence ourselves, our families, and, and ultimately the world, Lord. It's, it's just a natural thing that happens. And uh, God, I just thank you, Lord, that You You don't we don't stay as victims in you. There's no such thing as victims in Christ. Lord, there's no condemnation. There's no shame. Um, you took that away, Lord. You've taken the full weight of that. There's no emotions that we can feel that can separate us from you, God, regardless of how we feel even today. If we feel all disconnected and depressed and burdened and shamed and anxious and stressed, there's nothing that can separate us from your love, God. And I'm so grateful for that. So I just pray that you'll bring us to a greater awareness of your love and your grace and your faithfulness to us, that we would open up our hearts to it, God, because the only problem it's ever going to be is our side of the equation. You're perfect, Lord. Help us to see that, God. Help us to see you for who you really are and not who we think you are, not who we believe you are based on what people have told us or what we've experienced. Give us clarity, God, to understand our experiences in such a way that we would see clear of who you are and not our interpretation, because a lot of times, God, our interpretation doesn't bring us life. So, Lord, help us to have life that we would have it abundantly. That's what you've said. You said you've given us life that we would have a life, have it abundantly. The truth will set us free let these truths that we read that are so much in our heads really be in our hearts god help us open up our hearts to you in such ways to be open to that type of um those type of transitions and transformations lord that you're going to bring into our life as a result of us surrendering um our beliefs to you our thoughts the things that still kill and destroy give us the courage to do that god help us to see that um if we have this courage if we if we show our if we show up in this way that you will transform our lives, God. So we love you. We thank you for this time. Pray bless every single person listening to this podcast. And we just pray all these things in Jesus name. All right, you guys. So thanks again for listening to this podcast. You guys continue to like, subscribe and and subscribe and share. Um, Leave, leave a comment, you know, on iTunes, you guys leave a review. It'll definitely get it out into the rest of the world, you guys. So anyway, enough of my little plug there. Let's talk about yesterday. We talked about the, the victim triangle, right? And we talked about what the victim looks like, what the persecutor looks like and what the rescuer looks like. The hero, right? So you always have the victim, the woe is me. You've always got the hero that's like, you know what? I'm going to help you. I'm going to save you, which is great intention. And then you've got the persecutor who is like to basically saying the victim, like, get over it. You know, you're an idiot, blah, blah, blah. You know, just real hard type of person. And so, um. And, and we, we can all play those roles, you guys. I shared with you yesterday how I have always taken the role of rescuer. I've always taken the role of hero um, because I was really trying to get my own well-being. And then when the people that I was helping or heroing to without asking permission, if they didn't take my advice or, or you know, do the things that I thought they would do, then I'd become the victim. Oh, they don't listen to me. And then I could become the persecutor too, just being angry and frustrated and, uh you know, attack that person. So I've played all three roles in my life, you guys. Um, so this isn't just, you know, individuals, this can be a dynamic within yourself that you can, you can switch from role to role to role, depending on how you're perceiving the situation at the time. So you can look at yourself as a victim as there's no solutions. You can look yourself as a rescuer as like, you know what, I'm just going to take care of everybody else and not pay attention to what's going on with me. You guys, I used to do that, especially in the Christian community, die to self, live for other people. So I wasn't paying attention to my own well-being within myself or how I really was. I was living under massive compulsion and, uh, but I did it all in the name of Jesus. So that justified it. And then, you know, the persecutor, right? Oh, especially, how can I say this? Um, how do Christians do this sometimes too? Um, we see the world as persecutors at times you know, we're the victims or the persecutors or we're the rescuers and they're the persecutors, right? We need to save the world. You know, we need to save these people who can't be saved. When the truth is we were once those people as well. And really the only thing that sets us apart from them and anybody else is this a decision to acknowledge, um, the reason that Jesus came to begin with. Right. And why do you think the Lord was always getting on people about, um, how long must I be with you? You know, how long will you be in unbelief? When will you decide and take responsibility for how you're perceiving things? You know, think about the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They had the law of God. They knew what God said, but they'd come to the wrong conclusions of who he was. And that's always going to be the problem is the conclusions that you make about someone, their situation. A lot of times we do that, you guys, um, out of protecting ourselves, right? There are certain things that we see. And as we talked about in the whole schema thing, Uh, Your brain is programmed to protect yourself in that way. So you, you know, you just see certain things without even questioning it, right? You can just go by pure assumption and you can already be in that mode as if that same thing that you need to protect yourself from is happening again when there's really no evidence, right? In that way, maybe you're just going by what you see. Maybe we're just playing the role of the enemy, right? And we're just going by what we see here and read. We're not looking into it. We're not questioning We're not establishing intentions from the other person. We're just assuming we're making judgments. We're making, you know, all that kind of stuff that can really get in the way you guys. So let's talk about the empowerment dynamic. So empowerment dynamic is, you know, I told you guys yesterday that with the victim mentality or the, the drama triangle, which our world is stuck in right now. And I'm not going to talk about that, you guys, but if you understand what victim, persecutor and hero looks like, apply that to society, apply that to different social dynamics. And you guys are going to see this so clearly. Okay. So, but when you go to the empowerment dynamic that, um, David Emerald discusses. So now you've got, you know, now the the triangles flipped. Okay. Now the victim was down at the very bottom. Now he's up at the top and he's the creator. Okay. So victim goes, go, you go from victim to creator. You went from powerless to reigning in life. You guys, and think about that. You know, this is all based off Romans five. You know, there's supposed to be a certain result that happens when you internalize God's grace. When you walk in faith, you guys, faith is just expecting a good outcome. It's not that complicated. You've got two attitudes you can take in life. You can expect a good outcome because you have the grace of God in your life, or you can walk in fear Right. And expect God not to show up and help you and be with you. And you can hold back in your life and hold back in anything, everything that you need and stay in control of your life and make decisions with your limited information and knowledge and perspective. Right. Apart from God's grace. If you don't have God's grace and his perspective, you're stuck in your own head. Right. Especially if you're prideful and that kind of thing. I mean, you're not going to look to other people and other resources as a source of help. You're going to be stuck in your own mind. You're going to just be stuck in life. But everybody can choose to live their life as they want. However, When you come to Christ, there's going to be a transition that happens. You're going to be that victim and you're going to go to creator. You're going to go from powerless to reigning in life. And it talks about that in Romans five. It says, you see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly, right? What's what's powerless mean? Well, first of all, let's establish the definition of power. Power means your ability to affect change. So there was a time in your life where you didn't have the ability to affect change because you didn't have the grace or the perspective to look at yourself and other people and God in a different dynamic, right? You didn't have access to the one that was good necessarily, right? Now Christ had not died and come and the Holy Spirit hadn't come live in your heart. Now you have the laws of God. Now you had Moses. I know Jesus, you know, I know the Holy Spirit didn't come here there. Now I'm sure that even King David, right? We can look at people in the past who didn't have the Holy Spirit, but still had a relationship with God. So obviously there's way more to it than a lot of us can understand. Right. It's way beyond laws and, and you know, those types of things. Obviously there is a a relationship that can take place that can supersede all those things that we think we need to have in place in order to have a relationship with God. Right. I mean, God reveals things as time goes on, but there's people that had a relationship with the Lord that didn't have the Holy Spirit because Jesus didn't come, but still had this intimacy with God, you know? And so anyway, now there's no excuse. Right. There's no mystery now. It's like, boom, straightforward. Okay. Christ came. Now you have the Holy spirit. There's no more than God could possibly do. There's no more mystery to this game. Right. God has revealed himself in the total capacity and, um, he's, he's giving you a solution to the problems that you're having. Right. He's like, you need my grace. You need my perspective. Are you going to be open and receptive to it? Because a lot of people weren't coming to those conclusions before. Right. Um, so anyway, we go from the ability to not change our lives because we didn't have the you know, the way to look at ourselves differently. We didn't have this ability to come up with a different perspective in that way. Now you have God's grace right now. You can reign in life. And it talks about that at the end of Romans five, it goes, um, let me just, let me just back up you guys For, for, let's go to verse 17 for, if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, You guys, are we going to reign in life now when we're dead? I mean, if, if, if sin is referring to sin, um, there is no sin when you're dead, yo, sins over, you're being, you're on the judgment seat, you know, that's it. So if you can actually reign in life now, it's not for when, um, you're dead and go to heaven. You can actually experience that now. What, you know what I'm saying? Like, when are we going to tap into that? Why do you think Jesus said, um, you will do even greater things than I've done? Because, you know, supposedly now this is kind of rhetorical. Um, everybody has the Holy, everyone who claims to be a Christian has the Holy Spirit, right? Before Jesus died, he was just one man going from place to place to place. Now the Holy Spirit is in all these believers all across the world, right? So now God is in all these people. And if that's the case, God should be able to do even way more because he is not just here inside me. He's all across the United States. He's all the way in Africa, Germany, United Kingdom. All these places, all, all over Europe, all over the world, y'all, anywhere there claims to be a body of, of one person with the Holy Spirit. So with that being said, imagine the power of God. If God's people actually gotten back in unity and stopped killing and destroying each other, right? Got rid of the cancer in the body of Christ and started to appreciate the different roles that people play. The different role of grace that is played in that person's life, depending on the sin that God delivered him from And that's what we got to get comfortable with. Yo, God delivers people from sin and bondage. And so because of that, guess what? Um, there's everyone's life is going to look different. Everyone's going to think differently, different perspective, but that still is not going to take away the fact that God's grace came into that person's life in a particular way. And now they have life. They have it abundantly. They have love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. So we got to give space for people to tell their story in that way of this. I was lost and now I'm found, right? This is the hole I was in. This is the hole of shame I was in. I was, I had no solutions. I didn't know what to do. I was a victim. And then God's grace came and he allowed me to be a creator. And that's the beauty of the empowerment dynamic. You go from victim to creator. You are able to have the power and the grace to make changes in your life that you couldn't make before. Right now there's no excuse, right? What what was the one sin that Jesus said there's no forgiveness for? Blasphemy. What's blasphemy? I believe blasphemy is denying God's grace, denying the goodness that he's come to give you. You don't want it. You don't see it. I don't think I need it. Or you judge yourself. You're living in a condemned state, which we're going to get into that, you guys. So yeah, let's just move into it right now. It it pops along. So judgment. Okay, hold on. Let's back up a little bit. So um, it says that if you go back to Romans 5, 13, All right. It says to be sure sin was in the world before the law was given. Right. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there's no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Okay. Even after those who did not sin by breaking command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Right. So sin has always been in the world before the law came. Right. What is sin going against the knowledge of God? We talked about that in another one of the podcasts, you know, Adam and Eve, what introduced sin into the world? They went against the knowledge they had, which was the knowledge of God. Which, which Eve affirmed to the serpent. She knew it. She said it. But then it's when they they were challenged on the outside by the outside world by someone who came to them, the serpent. No, that's not what's going to happen. And then you surrender the knowledge of God that you have, and you you know give it, live by another knowledge, the knowledge of the serpent. All right. So then you have death in your life. Okay, and, and you guys, it's not just this physical death, right? It's this emotional death they experience constant fear, shame, and condemnation. Okay, now it talks about in here that um, it talks about judgment, right? So um, it says the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. So this is in verse 16. It um, brought condemnation. Hold on, you guys. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Okay. So what is judgment? Judgment is conclusion. Condemnation means that you've already had your trial, right? Judgment mode, judgment has been made. It's permanent. So judgment is a conclusion. Condemnation is your final judgment, right? It's your state of being wrong. You're pointing out you're wrong. You're condemned. There's no more trial. All right, it's over. Um, So for you to be a Christian still living today, living in a condemned state, that's oxymoron. That means that you've already been judged, but you ain't dead yet. You ain't, you ain't at the judgment seat of Christ. So you're judging yourself or you're judging God or you're judging other people. Right. And that's why I'm saying you always got to be able to challenge your perspective and your side of the equation before you come to some conclusion of who you think God is or he's not good because you are choosing to point out your wrongs, live in a condemned state instead of receiving God's grace. That's going to be on you at the end of the day. So, um, let's, let's move on you guys to, um, Let me see here. Persecutor. So we talked about the victim, right? You go from victim to creator and you do it through God's grace. Okay. Now we're going to talk about, you know, the persecutor. Now who's the persecutor? The persecutor is the jerk, right? (laughs) They're the antagonists, the enemy blames because of how they communicate, right? Um, they can be harassing, oppressive. They can annoy, trouble, treat you bad. Persecute. Now, there's a Latin word for, uh, I think it's persecut. P E R S E C U T. It means followed with hostility. All right. So, you know, persecuted. I'm just giving you guys some characteristics of a persecutor. Afflict, distress, harass, oppress. Okay. Worry, abuse. You know, just, you know, hostile types of people. And, uh, you know, so there. that's the role that they play. Um, in the triangle. Right. And so as far as humans go, right. Let me back it up a little bit. What do I mean by as far as humans go? Right. Because I was listening to a podcast yesterday and he was, you know, they were talking about the victim triangle, right. The drama triangle, but he, he was also mentioned, like, I guess he was in church listening to a sermon and uh, you know how you can take this mentality of the victim triangle and you can say, okay, God's the hero. Satan is the persecutor and we are the victim. Right. So you can, You can look at that dynamic through that lens as well. And so, you know, but I was thinking, you know, we got to look at it from a human perspective because we're only dealing with other human beings, you know, and uh, God is perfect. And so anyway, um, you know, as far as we go with each other, because, you know, Satan, he's, he's bound, right? I mean, he's, he is who he is. He's a permanent enemy that we have. And that's the thing we got to remember, um, we do have a permanent enemy. I think a lot of times, you know, it's great to have grace for people, but you have to understand at the end of the day, um, that there, there is an enemy out there who hates you, you know, and how do people deal with that? No one wants to be hated. No one wants to be not liked, you know, but you got to understand that there is a level out there, you know, Satan, he hates us. Right. And it says in the, in in the beginning of Genesis, that God was going to put that between the serpent and the woman right? He was going to put hatred between those two. So are we going to be mad at God? I mean, why do you think he did that? I mean, I look at it now and I see it as a protection, right? If God put that hate between you and the serpent, it's so you don't get deceived. You know, do you know what you hate? If that makes any sense, you know, God lists what he hates in the Bible all the time, liars and all this kind of stuff. So you have to understand what you hate in your life. So you don't become manipulated and drawn into evil all over again, if that makes any sense. But anyway, you guys. So uh, let's go back to persecutor. Okay. So we talked about the victim. The persecutor is the bad guy, the hostile. Um, you know, like I said, super demanding, belittling, controlling, you know, all these kinds of things, right? The antagonist in the plot. All right. And so, um, you know, and sometimes we can see people as the persecutor. Uh, we can judge people as a persecutor. Um, you know, without knowing all the information, sometimes people don't even realize how they're coming across a persecutor or someone who's a jerk might not even understand that they're coming across that way, you know, because if a persecutor is coming out of victim, they have the mentality of like, dude, what the heck? Don't you get it? You idiot. Don't you understand? Right. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's the persecutors kind of like in a way, I don't know how to say this. It's like, look, I know you're fully capable. So why are you acting like an idiot? Right. Now, the rescuer, on the other hand, which we'll get into that, has a different mindset of the victim. Oh, you know, you can't do it. Let me do it for you. Right. Kind of like bathing people in a way, whereas the persecutor is like, dude, you're a grown adult, like man up and do what you need to do. Right. And then so, but that can become kind of threatening towards somebody, you know, um, obviously if they don't have a relationship with this person, if they are being extremely hostile in their attempts to get someone to move. Or change their perspective or do something different they need to do right persecutors you know the world kind of um what would you say um people who are just very dominant and uh can be overbearing you know i'm sure they've been labeled as persecutors. so you know and and, and what here's the thing you guys i don't i try to look at everybody as an you know, no one intends to harm anybody. Nobody wakes up and says, I want to screw up everybody's life. I want to destroy other people. You know, um, it keeps me from look judging people too prematurely, you know, and just being critical. If I just say, you know what, what no one, you know, if I look at, if I take it from the standpoint of no one intended to hurt me, it's going to, you know, create some space in my heart and give me some space to hopefully communicate with that person. But anyway, you guys, I feel like I'm getting off track here. So persecutor, <laughs> I just start talking about all this kind of stuff, you guys, and I can get lost in my own thoughts. So anyway, the persecutor, the jerk face, right? So, um, and then, okay. And then we got the, uh, I was going to say, we'll talk, talking about the rescue, but let's finish talking about the persecutor. Let's talk about how do you go from persecutor? You're going to go from persecutor to challenger. Okay. That's, that's going to be the shift you're going to make. And you're like, well, what do you mean challenger? Well, we all need someone to challenge our perspective. We really do. We need someone to help us look differently at something or we're going to stay stuck. We need challenges in that way. But the persecutor, his role first is, uh, he's got to understand. He's, first, he's got to be able to give grace for himself. He's got to have some humility, right? You're not all knowing. You sort of have to re- reality check your expectations of yourself and your expectations of other people. Establish what you don't know, right? Because you might think you know something about somebody and you might, you know, demand and all these kinds of things, but you might not really have all the information, right? So the persecutor has to learn how to communicate a little bit and has to reality check their intentions, right? Um, you're not a bad person, right? Because you want to challenge, but just being able to ask questions, right? Ask yourself, what is your intention? And then seek to communicate your intentions, you know, become more vulnerable with showing your intentions, right? And so the persecutor just has to learn to be more vulnerable, right? Has to, you know, show their feelings a little bit more, has to, not be so hostile in that way. And that's, and we're all human beings created to be that way. Satan is not a human being in that way. Now he can influence, right? But human beings are all made in the image of God. Every single human being, there is not one out there who is not made in the image of God. Right. And so what I mean when I say that, you guys, is we just have to learn to not assume that people are just, you know, um, so bent on hurting us, right? If we judge someone as a persecutor, sometimes what I mean is, we got to learn how to protect our relationships. Okay, so let's just apply this dynamic in your home. Okay, because that's, that's, that's where you're going to get the most practice anyway. So if you judge somebody in your family, underneath your own roof as a persecutor, then, you know, you might at least want to challenge that assumption a little bit. Because if you're married, especially if you think you're married to a persecutor, you married them before you judge them as that, right? So then there's, there's something that happened in communication, there was assumption that was made. So just get clear on the intentions of the, on the intentions of that communication that's coming to you. That's making you believe that they're persecuting you. Does that make sense? So there are going to be people out there, right? That are going to do things, but you know, at the same time, we don't want to base every every relationship we have off of assumption either. We don't want to go out into the world and assume people are evil and are assume this or that because the truth is you don't know, right? So just having that humility of, I don't know unless I ask a question. Right. I'm going to establish the truth in the context of the moment, in the context of this relationship. And sometimes not knowing is just all you need to know. Right. I mean, um, sometimes it's just, you got to tell yourself, I don't know. And I'm going to leave it at that. Um, but if it's, if it's, if it's relationships in your own home and people that you're living with on a daily basis, then it's absolutely crucial to get that, those intentions and that communication cleared up. Right. So anyway, uh, the persecutor goes from persecuted to challenger. We need challengers. We need people in our life who are going to give us a different perspective, right? But it's all going to be in how that person presents it to us, right? They can't, you know, being hostile and um, intimidating and overbearing is really taking away that other person's um, power because they're made in the image of God as well. And they have their own abilities to make choices, right? So we all have to kind of learn our role in that way. When God made Adam and Eve, he goes, you will leave your mother and father and you will become one and you will, you know, make your own family. You're going to rule and subdue and rule your own life. How many Adams and Eves are out there? Mothers and fathers, you know, these little monarchs, right? That God has created these little kingdoms of people who, you know, a mother and father and they have their children and, and they are supposed to be the ones that are making all the decisions. And so when we look at people, we have to realize that they're their own Adam and Eve. In that way they're supposed to rule and subdue their lives and approaching it with that mutual respect that I'm not here to tell you what to do or control you or harass you or intimidate you or be super hostile. I'm just here to give you a different perspective, right? And if people don't want to take the perspective, then that's on them, but you know, appreciating somebody who can become a challenger for you in your life, okay? And so if if you are a persecutor, really just, you know, learn to give yourself grace, ask yourself questions. What don't you know? Um, How is that impacting the way you're communicating with this person? And, uh, you know, just being able to humble yourself in that way, you know, I think is going to help making that transition from persecutor to challenger. And so let's talk about the rescuer to coach. You guys, that that is definitely me. Um, I can completely identify with this one the most, Um, you know, so we realize. So if you want to go from rescuer to coach, this is kind of this is going to be the transition in your mind. We realize who we are responsible for okay we see people as capable and not as children right you learn to ask questions you see people as responsible okay um do this yeah um yeah so you see people as responsible you guys um before i never honestly thought that i was coming across that way you know um i would hear the lines as far as un unadva- un what's the word unasked for advice Is criticism that used to really frustrate me because the people that I was hanging with had they would complain to me about having these outcomes in their life that they hated but they weren't asking the question to get better and they would just still stay stuck I mean for years years you guys years and years and years and years and I'm getting frustrated like y'all ain't even asking the question you know especially after I became aware of that that if you if someone if you if someone doesn't ask for advice and you just give it to him anyway it's criticism I was so frustrated with that because, like I said, the people I was hanging with weren't asking for advice. You know, they they were really were still victims in the way of looking for a hero. And I'm ready to fill that role because I'm like, hey, let me just help you fix this. Right. You're not asking the questions. You're not going to get the solution to the problem if you're not asking. And then you're going to keep asking me or complaining to me. And I really don't want to deal with this anymore. I mean, I wasn't being completely honest and transparent as far as, you know, like, look, this isn't my responsibility. But I always thought it was, especially being in the church. You know, we were taught to serve other people and die to ourselves. So I always thought I was responsible for solving other people's problems. So anyway, how can you make the, the transition from, you know, rescuer to coach? You know, one thing I've learned is number one, get some boundaries in your life. Establish the, the fact of, okay, what are you responsible for? What are you not responsible for? How are you going to stay in your lane? And then um, learn to ask, ask powerful questions. Okay. So and you're gonna ask, you're not gonna force, you're not gonna intrude, fix, control, okay? You're not gonna do all these things for your own well-being. That's really the nature of a rescuer, too. Is they try to force, intrude, fix, control to fix their own well-being. That's really codependency, honestly. But they try to do that. They want to make them fel- themselves feel better by doing something that they don't have the power to do. Because honestly, what does it say in Corinthians? I think it's 2nd Corinthians 2 or whatever. That's that chapter it says no one knows the thoughts of the man except for the spirit of that man. You don't know someone's intentions, beliefs, thoughts, whatever they're running their information through, unless you ask the question, right? So you gotta learn to ask. You um you so yeah, your well-being should be independent of someone else. Okay, you are all responsible for the outcomes of your own life and choices. God sees people to be able to reign in life, okay, not victims. God God expects that His grace is going to penetrate your life in such a way that you are going to be able to reign in your life, that every single person... So every single person is going to go from victim to creator. Every single person who is a, uh, a, a persecutor can go to a challenger and learn to be that challenge to other people, that new perspective, but be able to do it in a non hostile way because we all recognize that we're all made in the image of God and that we're supposed to reign and we can become coaches to other people, right? We can ask questions, we can, and we can ask people, Hey, you know, would you like my advice? or? You know, ask, just ask them questions. What do you want in your life? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do? What's keeping you stuck? What, how, do, how are you going to solve this problem? You get better at asking the questions that need to be asked and not just giving solutions. You guys, I was, I, the only thing I knew how to do was give solutions. I didn't know how to ask questions. No one ever taught me that. So, but God expects all of us to rain. You guys, and what does rain mean? I looked it up tomorrow. I looked it up this morning. I was going to say to morning, but I'm like, that's not really a word. <laughs> so rain to hold and exercise. Okay sovereign rule, head of a monarchy. All right. Your own household and affairs. You guys think about being sovereign. One who possesses supreme authority, especially a person or a, uh, can't read my own handwriting detriment, determinate body of persons in whom the supreme power of that state is vested, a monarch, a monarch. Right. And so, um, you know, um, A monarch, one who or that which surpasses others in the same kind. Did you know that every single man and woman is their own monarch to themselves? We're not made to rule over each other. God never said that in the garden, right? He goes, you're going to rule over creation as far as the livestock, the birds to the ground. He never never said you're going to rule over mankind, right? So man has this huge responsibility in their life to rule and subdue their own lives to take full responsibility. And I think that's why people get so frustrated with God is because they don't understand the weight that God has put on people to really uh, make decisions. Right? I mean, we look at all the oppression that goes on all over the countries and people are like, if God is good, why does he allow this stuff to happen? And it's like, do you not understand the responsibility that man has put on God? I think that we threw that out. God never took the job away from Adam when he sinned, right? God gave him practical wisdom and said, you still have a job to do. You still have to rule and subdue. You still are gonna be fruitful and multiply. Now you just have to deal with the knowledge of evil on top of that, and it's gonna be so much harder for you because you weren't created to discern that. But now that's the beauty of Christ coming. Now we have that buffer. When the knowledge of evil comes into your life and tries to steal, kill, and destroy, now you can get this new perspective. You've got this new, this new challenge, right? The Holy Spirit is a challenger. <laughs> Right. He's going to challenge your perspective to get you out of that, that victim mentality, to be be a creator, to solve your own problems. And, and then you can be, and be really become your own coach. Right. The God says we have to encourage ourselves. So you within yourself can be your own creator to your own problems. You can look for solutions, right? Um, You can be your own challenger. And then you also have the Holy spirit in you if you're a Christian. So God's going to be your challenger in that way. You guys, and I'm standing up a little bit. I was sitting on the floor with my phone recording and. My feet are falling asleep. But anyway, so God is going to be your challenger. He's inside of you, right? So, and you, and here's the cool thing. You don't have to be your own persecutor anymore. You don't have to sit there and condemn yourself. Like, hallelujah, you guys, you don't have to judge yourself anymore and condemn yourself and persecute yourself. That is out the window now, right? So you have to be able to integrate the goodness that God wants to give to you freely while you're still a sinner. Christ died for you. Can you accept that? How humbling is that? that God is going to give you grace when you didn't deserve it, when you know you didn't deserve it. Right. But God still expects you to accept it. God still expected Adam to wear the animal skin (sighs) like, bro, you're going out in the field. Look, look, you guys, you know, those really deep theology students out there, I know they listen to this podcast and I love you guys and I love your, I love the depth, but let's keep it practical too. God is a God of practical wisdom. Not only is the ram and the animal skin a a signifying picture of Jesus Christ coming, but it's also practical wisdom in a sense of, he said, bruh, you're going out in the garden, you're going to till the field, and uh, you need animal skin for that. Can you picture a man, a grown man, out in the field back in the day wearing a fig leaf, trying to literally grow food with thorns and thistles? How well do you think that's going to hold up? It's not. It's not right? So you have to be able, you have to see God as the God of the deep, right? The real deep things of God, as well as the God of the practical wisdom that we need on the daily basis of just the practical call we have upon our lives to, you know, run our lives, make decisions, take care of things, manage your money, manage your relationships, manage your health, manage your business, manage every area of life that God has given to you, your education, right? Right? You need to have practical wisdom in those areas of your life, as well as, you know, those deep thoughts and the deeper meanings of things. Um, We cannot make Christianity way more complicated, right? Because if we do, we're going to miss the grace of God. It's very simple, right? So anyway, you guys, that is the empowerment triangle. You go from victim to creator because now you have the the grace of God. You go from persecutor to challenger because you have the grace of God. And then you go from the rescuer to the coach because you have the grace of God right? In all these areas of your life. And like I said, you're going to play each role depending on the different scenario, but now God's grace is going to give you what you need to make that transformation from victim to creator, persecutor to challenger, rescuer to coach, right? And I just went through all that and shared with you guys how to make those transitions from going from from, you know, one to the other. How do we go from one triangle to the next? And, um, you know, why I, why I believe and why I know (laughs) that God wants us in the empowerment dynamic because of the function that we're all supposed to play in this world. Right. We all have something to offer. We're all part of the body of Christ and, uh, God demands a return on our life. That's just the way it is. And why, you know, remember that, that parable He's like, man, I knew you were a hard master, you know? And so it's like, if we know that God's a hard master in that way, you know, or whatever you want to think about God, then it's like, okay, Lord, you know what? Give me the perspective I need to give until you have a return on my life. How do I need to do that in the practical ways of my life? Ask yourself where you need grace today first. Number one, where do you need to receive the talents that he wants to give you, right? The gold. (laughs) He says he gave everybody a certain amount. God has given you a measure of grace in your life that you just need to accept. Right. And, and what did Jesus say? Whoever needs to be forgiven much loves much. So where do you need to be forgiven? Where uh, in your life do you need that forgiveness? Where do you need to integrate that? And then how is God going to use that forgiveness he gave to you? It's going to impact your life in an amazing ways. You're going to have so much healing and so much. Like I said, so many things are going to come into your mind that you never thought possible that, you know, there's going to be no question as to whether God is working in your life or not. There is a massive shift that happens when you integrate God's grace. You accept it and receive it and then start to integrate it into every area of your life. It's going to overflow. People are going to, it's going to be obvious. You're not going to be able to hold back. You're going to want to shout it from the rooftops, you guys. So anyway, I hope this uh, podcast was helpful for you guys today, talking about the empowerment dynamic. Check out that book I mentioned. I've not read it yet myself, you guys, but that is a resource you can look at. Um, the power of Ted, the empowerment dynamic. I, I gave you guys the name of the author, David Emerald. That's, that's who, that's the guy who developed that um, that thought process, those different perspectives we can take. Um, I hope you guys, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. Don't forget to, uh, subscribe to the podcast so you guys don't miss an episode. Um, I'm like, what are we going to be talking about tomorrow? I'm not sure you guys, I'm going to sit down and, and look over some notes and, uh, I promise you it'll be good and it'll be encouraging. And I want to continue to walk you guys through this journey. I know it's, it seems like, man, it's taken forever. You know what you guys? Life, life is a process. And if there's certain things, that if you don't get it, you're not going to get it. All right. So tips, tips and tricks. And, you know, it ain't going to work unless you get some real solid truth in your life. You've got to get the foundation. You guys we're building a foundation right now. And that's what you have to remember. You're building the foundation of your life right now. And then that way, when all these other things come to you, you know, you're always going to have that, that grounding, right? When you understand these things that we're talking about and you actually begin to open yourself up to, um, these new perspectives, you know, you're going to understand why as we move further in this journey. So anyway, you guys, I hope you have an awesome rest of the day. Thank you for listening to this podcast and I will see you guys tomorrow.